know yet. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So has it been a tough week for you, Justin? It has. It has, but business is good and things are up and boss is off my back, so. Which one? My work boss. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, because we all have a work boss, but we all have <laughs> the other boss that's much more important than, yeah. than, than the work boss. So I was told something interesting. So most guys have a work wife, which is like a guy that they work very close with at work. And, I've heard that. Yeah. So it's pretty funny. Who's your work wife? Probably a guy named Kelly, which ironically has a woman's name. So every time I nice. say Kelly, I've got to say my business development guy, Kelly, so Kelsey doesn't get upset <laughs> or curious. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Start going through your phone. Who's Kelly? Who's this Kelly? Nice. We have, uh, we have Roman Blandino What's in up? the house today. What's going on, man? Not a lot. Not a lot. Trying trying to take a break and get some rest uh, since school's out, but... Um, that's yeah, right. That's you're, a t- you're a teacher, right? Yes, sir. I am. What do you teach? Texas history. Okay. And for who? Katie Jr. I. So basically, you're on vacation. If my wife didn't make me honeydew lists, absolutely. So the boss. The important not, boss. Not, not the work boss, but the boss boss. The important boss, yes. Yeah. She's got you working harder than you ever did. Absolutely. You're ready to go back to school. Y- yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the end of every summer, yeah, I'm like counting the days down to go back. Cool. So I have known you, I've known Roman, oh, I guess almost as long as I've known you, Justin, about, about, about 10 about, years. Uh, I was going to say two. Two years? No, too long. Too long. Yes, too long. You're probably so. <laughs> uh, you and I worked together in the youth. Yes. Yes. Uh, we did some men's ministry together. Yes. You are the godfather to my adopted daughter. The Yes, the Tasmanian devil, yes. That's the one. And, uh, and I have to admit, in... In all of the time that I've known you, you have gone through this transformation, if if you will, um, from being in one place to being in a completely different place where you are now. What in the world happened to you, brother? Uh, if you're referring to emotionally uh, and uh, spiritual, spiritual maturity, I had um, kind of an awakening uh just a couple years back, uh, Jennifer and I took a uh, much needed respite, I guess you could say, a, a sabbatical from 
doing any kind of service in the church. Uh, we focused more on ourselves and more on Christ uh, and where our relationship was with him uh, and how we were going about uh, being in a rich uh, purposeful relationship with Christ and uh, being that we weren't so busy as we used to be, uh, especially with, you know, youth ministry and, and uh, different leadership aspects within the church. Uh, it gave us time to really focus. And it was during that time of focus that, uh, that I was able to uh, begin counseling for uh, past demons that I had been carrying around for way too long to address them, to address how it was affecting me. And uh, eventually, once I was able to get it all out, it was, it was very, it was an awakening in and of itself. And, and I was able to, instead of focusing on those of, of trying to drown them out, to focus on uh, Christ and, and hearing his words and following his teachings rather than struggling with those, the, struggling with the past that I should have been done with. Yeah, you know, um, man, I, I've I've been I've been there where you you get on fire for Jesus, you get you just get all wrapped up, and man, you just you, you want to do every single thing that there can be done. And in most churches, and I know in your church and in my church is the same way. The old eighty twenty rule, you know, applies where eighty percent of the people or twenty percent of the people do eighty percent of the work right in the church, and you just can't seem to get servants and volunteers. So you even show a, an inkling of, of any type of servant heart and they get their claws in you and, and just don't let go. And you end up being in just about every ministry and every project and, and everything that happens at the church. They, they go, Oh, Roman will do it. Yeah. Let's get Roman. Yeah. Call Roman. And it, it has a tendency after a while to, to burn some people out. Well, there's it, yes, I, I definitely agree with that. And there, there was, I, I think for me, um, there was some, Positives initially, uh, as far as uh, serving early on, in that um, I was on fire for for Jesus. I figured, you know, the more I can do, the more the the more steps I'm taking towards Him. But uh, and the busier I was, the less I had to think about the things that I had. I was dragging along the anchors that I had. Uh, but when it all came to a head, I guess you could say. All I was doing was masking them. Uh, as much as I thought I was uh, growing closer to Jesus, uh, I was m- more so just covering up what uh, covering up what I what I w- what I was trying to hide from the past. And when we finally were able to take that break, and I no longer had something else to focus on, I had no other choice but to focus on that. And uh, as a result, God really came into my life and started to direct me the way that I should be directed the way that the, on the path that he wanted me to be on rather than me constantly looking over my shoulder to make sure I was staying away from my past. Yeah. What's funny how sometimes we can actually use Jesus and use the church and use all that as, as an excuse not to face those things. We can get so caught up and so busy in doing what we think, well, we're doing the Lord's work. Right. We're doing, we're, we're working for Jesus. Right. I mean, but the problem is we're so busy working for Jesus that we're not letting Jesus work in our own lives. Right. I mean, I, I honestly thought that like with my anger that I struggle with, which you knew all too well, um, <laughs> that by doing the Lord's work and by 
occupying myself with with the youth ministry and 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 the different things that I was serving in through the church that I would that that would help me overcome it and instead it was just I was keeping it at bay and it was just festering I guess you could say and like I said the 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 sabbatical that we were able to take just allowed Jesus to work that miracle to to truly work uh in me and through me and in my marriage with my wife and and through her, you know, as far as in her life and everything else, it was just, it was a beautiful thing, honestly. Yeah. There's times where we just need to, to be still. Yes. And just listen for that quiet voice and, and slow ourselves down and just listen to, we talk too much and we do too much sometimes that we don't, we don't listen. So you're a teacher. Yes. You teach Texas history. Yes. So I'd assume that, um, you have a tendency to follow politics a little bit. Uh, sometimes a little too much, but yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Don't we all? Um, so what do you think, just broad brush here, what do you think the role of a Christian is in, in today's politics? You know, that's a, uh, that, uh, you know, that, that to me, that's a very slippery slope. Um, but I'm going to try and. That's why I asked you. I know. I'm going to try and navigate it though the best I can and uh, represent uh, Christians as well as um, the teachings of, of Jesus Christ the best that I can. I believe that you know we should follow what, what Paul said in Romans Romans 13 um, that anybody that is in a position of leadership has been placed there by God, and so for us not to at least honor. Those in a position of leadership would be us essentially as Christians, not honoring God because he put them there. Um, now, does that mean that we have to follow everything, even the things that uh, go against our uh, Christian beliefs? Absolutely not. Well, I was going to ask you, I mean, uh, you know, one of the things I've, I've, I've written, I wrote down some things for you, which is unusual. I typically don't write things down. Well, it make you nervous or something. You had to write write some stuff down. Not in the way you think. <laughs> so you you were saying that 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 Paul is saying in Romans that you know they were placed in authority. Yada yada yada. Yeah. So what would you say to a Christian that says, "Well, God's in control, so no matter who's there, it's really who He wants to be there. So there's really no need for me to get involved." Well, how do we know that God's not calling us to be there as well? See, that's the thing. It. it Nowhere does it say that Christians should not be involved in politics. It says that in, in the sense of uh, running for, you know, running for office or, uh, you know, trying to be a voice for, for Jesus in politics. Uh, Paul, in his letter to the Romans, was saying to honor the, the leaders. But as Christians, we're not, in my opinion, we're not supposed to just sit idly back and do nothing simply because God put them there. Maybe we have a calling on our lives to be the leader over people or, you know, for God. Well, Jesus said in Matthew um, Matthew 13, he says that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Right. So how can we be the salt of the, uh, I mean, how can we be salt? How can we be light in politics? How, how can we not get to a point where we're storming down the Capitol 
but at the same time, we're adding to instead of taking away from. What, what do you think about that? Well, uh, he also said in Matthew that, Matthew 5, thank, 13 yeah. and 14, I'm yeah. sorry. When he said the word light of the world, he said we don't take a lamp and uh, hide it under a cover, that we place it on a hilltop for all the world to see. So as Christians, if we're being called to be in a position of leadership, we're not supposed to sit back. We should be involved. And especially if we are the light of the world, we should be shining our light for all to see. So how do we go from storming the Capitol to sitting back and doing nothing? Well, we need to get involved, but there's proper, intelligent ways, ways that still uphold our Christian values to be involved. Yeah, but what about those people that say, what right do we have to interject our values, our morals into the way that a country is being run. How, how, how do we have that, that right? Why should we put our, what we believe to be morality, mm-hmm. what others believe to be garbage, because it's, you know, it's in the Bible, so it doesn't matter. So what gives us the right to put that morality in our politics? I mean, shouldn't there be a separation between the church and the state, and that should be separate, and there should, they should never touch? That's also another very controversial statement um, because there's never been a place in our uh, political writings, uh, such as the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence or any laws that have come out that actually state the church and the state should be separate. Okay, that was actually a letter that was written by, if I remember correctly, it was Andrew Jackson that said that there should be a separation of church and state based on what happened in England when the church of England controlled the monarchy. And so his suggestion was that there should be some separation, but there never was an actual amendment or article or any kind of um, policy put in place. And that's where a lot of people make the mistake is they try and say, Oh, this, you know, separation of church and state, that's constitutional. It's not. Well, what you're referring to is the Anglican church in England. The, the whole reason we left England right. in the yeah, first place. It, yeah. They called it the church of England. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, they were, um, it, it goes back further than that. Actually, it, it goes back to Constantine in, I wrote this down the year 312 AD when Constantine came in and, um, he's the one that said, okay, we can't control these Christians. And right now we're out persecuting, killing and destroying the Christians. We need to bring them into the fold. You know, and a lot of people say, oh, well, he's, you know, he, he was, he was legitimizing Christianity. He was bringing us all in. Yeah. He was putting us in a barn and closing the door behind us and saying, okay, now be, be good little Christians and we'll let you live. Right. Um, so, that's where Christianity got legitimized and, and no longer, quote-unquote, illegal and, and, and a death sentence. And later on, of course, that formed the Roman Catholic Church, which was just basically another form of, of government. Right. Because at some point, several centuries later, the Pope actually became the Holy Emperor. He, he was the, actually the Emperor of Rome, the Holy Emperor of Rome. So he was in charge of everything. So now the Church is fully in charge. Now, you know, our Christianity is the focus in how everything is run, but of course, with absolute power comes absolute corruption. Correct. Um, thus, the reasons for Martin Luther and this, that, and the other. 
But then, of course, England broke off and went into the Anglican Church, but they still took that. That uh, The reason they broke off was because King Henry VIII wanted to divorce another wife. And the Catholic Church would not allow it. And yeah. the Pope said no. Right. Fine, I'll just kill her. Um, which he did. But he, he formed the Anglican Church. But then he became the head of the Anglican Church. And, of course, everything he did, he was doing in Jesus' name, which wasn't in Jesus' name. And then that's when we decided that's enough. We've had enough of that. We're, we're going off to a new land. And here we are in the U.S. And I then, think... Well, ahead. I was going to say, and then with King George, um, who was uh, the king of England during the Revolutionary War, and, of course, prior to that, him and um, the queen were so um, superstitious, religiously superstitious, that they actually allowed the, uh, the head priest of the Church of England to dictate law because he would go to them and say... God wants you to, wants the people to do this. So this needs to be law. And they were so afraid of upsetting God that they would listen to the priest and say, this is now decreed. This is law. Well, it's a lot easier to rule somebody when you tap into their belief system. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when you tap into their faith, what do you think, Justin? I mean, isn't it, wouldn't you say that it's a whole lot easier to rule someone by faith than it is by force? It's a whole lot easier to rule by force. Okay. But what I'm saying is, if I rule by force and you rebel, but then I tap into your faith system, you can't really rebel against your own faith, can you? I guess if it's genuine faith that you're tapping into, then, yeah, you're forced to kind of go along with it. I think that if real devoted Christians were met with, that type of sort of oppression or wolf in sheep's clothing, maybe they would be able to see through that. Yeah. Well, it seems like they did because we left. Um, I, I think that the, the thought of the founding fathers in putting in what in the constitution, what they put in was not necessarily to separate the church and, and the government. It, it, I think it was more to take the government out of the church but not necessarily take the churching out of the government. Right. It was so that the the government could not establish a First Amendment freedom of religion. It's, it's you know, the government cannot establish a state religion, uh, much like there was in England with the Anglican Church and, you know, the, the Church of England. Uh, they were they wanted to ensure that there would be no more religious persecution. And, and the beauty of, the for me, the way that the First Amendment was written with freedom of religion was that it, it didn't say freedom of certain religions. It was freedom of all religion. Uh, you know, they had the, the forethought to essentially establish that any religion that came into the United States would, would be covered by this, regardless of whether we like the religion or not, uh, whether we believe that whether the religion goes against our Christian beliefs or counters our Christian beliefs. They wanted to ensure that, that there would be no way that the state, meaning the government, could interfere in their religious practices. And, and that was, which was a complete a total 180 from how England did it. England said only the Church of England can be followed. Only the Anglican, Anglican religion can be followed. You cannot be Baptist, Catholic, Protestant, Lutheran, anything like that. And so they wanted to ensure that in the United States, all people were free to choose to believe in something or to believe in nothing. Well, John Adams wrote, and, and I don't know if this is contrary to what you're saying or not, 
but it says we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. So to me what that says is we are forming this Constitution. We are writing this Constitution for a people that are religious, that do believe, that do have faith, that do follow this, what we consider to be Christianity, morality. Right. So that's kind of contrary to what you were saying in a little bit, not a little bit. What do you think? At the time when it was written, we were a very religious country. Uh, We were a very Christian company. uh, Company. Country. Country. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there, because there wasn't Muslim, there wasn't uh, Buddhism, there wasn't any any other kind of religion uh, or religious faith, uh, 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 ideology, anything like that, besides the Christian ideology in the United States. But the way they wrote it, even with what John Adams was saying, the way they wrote it was to establish that even if other religions came in, it was going to be free. They were going to have the freedom to, to do it because ultimately to him and to Christians alike, we follow God. Our, our rule or our belief is we don't judge. But if we're following God, when did God leave politics? Because it, it appears God ain't in the White House right now. And I, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily mean by the guy who's standing at the podium. I mean by the legislation. The, I mean, can, can, can we legislate morality? No. No. So how, how, how do we get back, and I know we never will, but how do we get back to that ideal that came across the ocean that stepped on you know, the shores over here saying, okay, we're going to bring in this better thing. How do we, how do we get back? How do we as Christians get back into our politics, into our leaders, into our governments and say, whoa, 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 this ain't, this ain't what we, we started. I mean, I understand freedom. I get freedom of religion. I'm, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about getting back to some sense of morality that seems to have just vanished. I don't think you're going to like way I'm going to answer it because I don't think we can. The unfortunate thing is I think we've gone so far um, with removing God from so many things in this country that I don't know if we can, Um, at least not in the current state that we're in. Uh, There's not a rewind button. There's not a reverse button. There's nothing that we can do. even, Even if we had nothing but Christians take office, I don't think that our country is in a position right now to where we can reverse field and all of a sudden become a country of morality again. We we're, we're stuck in a in a we're we're stuck in a culture that has done its best to remove God from from society, from schools, from uh, politics. In some cases, church. Uh, where they want to preach what they want people to know rather than what God wants them to know. Um, and that, and, and we're stuck in a society right now to where if we push as Christians, there's a fear of being canceled. There's a fear of mm. being silenced. Let's take a break right there. 
Hey, Justin, man, you like beef jerky? I love beef jerky. Oh, my gosh. Man, I could eat beef jerky for every single meal in the house. Well, look, there is a new product in town. Have you ever heard of something called biltong? Never heard of it. Oh, man. Biltong is the South African equivalent to beef jerky. I've got a good friend of mine that's from South Africa. He came down. He noticed that there was no biltong. And he felt, I've got to make biltong here because you've (laughs) got to understand what it is. And so him and a buddy of his got together, and they have have perfected the process of biltong, and they have created a company called Texas Biltong. You've got some in your hand right there. Why don't you give that a try and see what you think? Sure. So this flavor is uh, cracked black pepper. Yeah. I definitely taste the pepper, which which I love. Um, it's very, very tender, um, and it's not like those jaw-breaking, right, molar right. cracking. Dude, you want to know ones. what the, one of the best things about this? Guess how many ingredients this thing has in it? 24? Five. Five ingredients. All of them I can pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> Coriander. I can pronounce that. That's the biggest word in it. So do yourself a favor. Go over to our buddies at uh, www. T-X-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. That's TexasBiltong.com. Put in the promo code the way, and they'll give you 5% off your purchase. You can also pick them up uh, here locally at the Cherry Block in Katy, Texas. And there's a couple other places on their website that you can get it if you just can't wait for the uh, mail. Again, that's TXBiltong.com. Use the promo code the way. So what you're saying, Roman is what I hear you saying, and maybe I'm, I'm taking you wrong, but that we're just lost. It's done. And as a country, we'll never get it back. And that's a little bit what I hear, Roman, uh, and a little bit from you, Troy. And I want to push back on that because, I mean, there's instance after instance in the Bible where in less than one generation, they go from temple prostitutes, human sacrifice, all to full-blown God worship in a matter of days, years, less than a generation. And last I checked, we're not having prostitutes in our churches. We're not offering human sacrifices outside of our, of our institutions. So I think there's been a place in history where we've been a whole lot worse morally. I mean, even the Corinthian church, temple prostitutes in church, Paul had to go bust them up. Uh, there was incest that he had to address literally in 1 Corinthians. Last I heard, that's not something that we typically deal with. Now, a society in a, as a whole, further degenerate than they were back in the Roman days, that's arguable too. I mean, the, the even the Roman emperors, who was that one? Just um, Nero? No, uh, I forgot, but just sexually so immoral. Uh, it's like it starts with a C, I think. Not Cleopatra, but something along those lines. Um, anyway, point is, I I think history probably revolves in cycles. We're probably in one of those cycles where, yeah, it's pretty dark right now. I mean, as as brothers in Christ and as believers, I think I want to challenge you guys to see the optimism and what God can do. I think in probably... A year, if God showed up on the scene in drastic, miraculous, supernatural, reviving ways, I think the entire culture could be radically shifted. I don't disagree with that. Okay, I know what I said before the break, but as as a country, as where we stand now, 
I don't see a reversal. But if God truly was, if God truly came in and started to perform miracles on this country, absolutely. But is but, he not already doing that? From what we're shown, no. As far as like through the media and such. Uh, through the media. They're trying to show us something other than miracles of God. But is me, the media reality? Absolutely not. Not exactly. anymore. Right. So just because they say something doesn't mean that's reality. Well, the problem that we run into now as a, as a society, and now I don't necessarily uh, uh, subscribe to this because I don't watch the news anymore, but it's that so many people do watch the news and they take that as, for lack of a better word, the gospel. Uh, they take that as their reality. And, and, and I think as a result, the people that tune into the news get turned off by any kind of positive change that could possibly happen. I think that's why we're struggling so much as a country. Now, as I said, God involved, miracles really happening, which believe me, I know they happen every day. So uh, I'm no, there's no doubt in my mind God's not involved uh, or that, yeah, there's no doubt that God is involved with me. Um, but as we stand now, I don't see a complete reversal, as you were saying. Is it possible? Absolutely. But as if we continue on the same path that we're on, no, I don't, I don't see it happening. And, I, and I'm not trying to be, you know, Debbie Downer or whatever. Uh, I'm seeing things at face value right now. Uh, do I believe that people can change? Absolutely. I'm sitting right here. I, I'm the best example right now that, you know, as far as of people that I know, I'm the best example that I know of. Uh, and, and that's not tooting my own horn, but that's looking back at my past versus how I am now. Absolutely. People can change, but it took God really working in my life for that to happen. And people in this country that have rejected God have not just rejected him as I don't believe, but they want to make sure that he is nowhere near them and that he's not spoken of and that he, that nothing is attributed to him at all. And, and, it's very frustrating as a Christian in, in, from my eyes to see, to see that, you know, to see, you know, when you, when you become the hands and feet of Jesus, when you become the walking testimony of, of the, of the beauty and grace and mercy of Christ and people look at you like you're crazy because they've been so desensitized and, and, and been told there's no such thing. And just, you know, the only God that you should worship is yourself. That's where I, that's where I stand right now. But like I said, do I believe that that miracles can happen? Absolutely. I'm going to challenge something you said. Yes, sir. Um, and that is, you said that, you know, I'm not challenging what you said. I'm going to challenge how you presented it. You said that, you know, look at me. I'm, I'm the testimony. I'm a walking, walking testimony of, of, you know, once God started changing in me and changing me, then, then I changed to something to that effect. Right. And I would, I would challenge that and say, well, yeah, but didn't you have to go there first? Didn't you have to allow God in to make that change, to make those changes? Didn't you have to, because what you're saying, a lot of people are hurting their heart. They're just pushing him off. You know, yeah, God can make any change he wants. God's God. He can do what he wants. Absolutely. But because of our free will, we've got to allow that in. And so I would say that, yes, God did a work in you, but first you had to come to him and allow for that work to be done. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I think that's where we are as a nation. I gave my life, right. I gave my life to Christ when I was a freshman in high school. So 
I don't know, 50, 60 years ago. Um, feels that way sometimes. So Christ has always been in my life since that point. The problem is, is that I had my life uh, that I wanted to live and then the life that I was allowing, or I say allowing that Christ was involved in, I should say, I, you know, uh, and it took me breaking down the wall and bringing those two lives together. Yeah. For, for, to, for him to be able to work that miracle. Yes, absolutely. I had to say, I need you. So you were, you were for, to try to coin a, a phrase that's kind of, or a word that's come up here. You were a kino, not a rhino, but a kino. Christian in name only. Christian in name only. Basically. And how many of us? How many of us out there are Christians in name only? Uh, yeah, or the or the holiday Christians. Yeah, Christian Christians. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Christian. Exactly. Yeah, I mean that's one, exactly one guy. One guy said the CEOs. I like that. I like that term. The CEOs. Christmas Easter only. <laughs> so we got the CEOs of the church that show up twice a year. I I, I see you've got something for us. No, I, I think the point's passed. I I wanted to just so um, Jenna Ellis, um, President Trump's lawyer, mm-hmm. um, hardcore believer, uh, posts a lot of scripture and things like that. Good things. She posted a press statement from the Atheists in Kenya organization. The letter of res- resignation from the secretary, basically accepting Christ. I heard about that. Wow. Yes. Yes. So I, I heard that too. So yeah. this guy, I would imagine, lived his life completely clueless of Jesus, actually fighting against him, how is it that he all of a sudden accepted? And I and he wasn't looking. I would imagine he was not seeking Jesus secretly while running this organization. I think he had a supernatural divine encounter yeah. that he could not argue with the reality of the gospel and got radically saved. That's That's what I think we're on the precipice of, is God sort of waiting for his church to evangelize. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but I think the church is fairly compromised in their assimilation into secular culture. Right. That he's saying, you know what? I'm going to go do this myself. Yeah. I'm going to start visiting people in dreams, start doing visitations. I'm going to start touching a lot of these influential people in these organizations. And and then the momentum's going to start. And then a lot of us kinos and, and everything else are going to start going you know what, I do need to put my big boy pants on and I do need to start doing this stuff. And then I think some real momentum will start happening. Do you, do, do, do you ever know, did, I know Troy knows my story uh, of what woke me up besides the sabbatical that Jennifer and I took two years ago. But that was to heal, that was to, to give me time to heal old wounds, okay, to, to get rid of old wineskin. But have I ever told you the story of what woke me up Literally and spiritually. I don't believe so. It was probably about 12 years ago. Um, I had been struggling at my previous job and uh, Jennifer had been praying for me every single day. And I hadn't given up. You know, I never lost my faith, but I can say it was weakened at that point. And um, her and I had lots of discussions about, um, I felt like I was being punished. I felt like... um, you know, that he was mad at me all the time, uh, that my, my faith was weak. And every time she'd ask me why I'm like, because I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm not good enough. And she said, you know, if you just pray, if you just, if you just continue to pray and you listen, stop expecting, you know, what you want to hear, but listen to what he has to say, you'd be amazed what you will hear. And so one night I went to bed and before I went to bed, I I went, Oh, what the heck? I'll give it a shot. 
And it was a very simple prayer. God, why me? Why do you love me? Why, why, do, why would you give me grace and show me mercy when I'm such an awful sinner? Yeah, I wasn't a murderer or a rapist or anything like that, but my mind wasn't in the right place. My heart definitely wasn't in the right place. So I prayed that. God, I'm a sinner. Why in the world would you, would you forgive me? And sometime around two or three in the morning, I remember I was sleeping. I remember hearing as if someone was standing over top of me, Romans 3.23. And I literally sat straight up in bed and I looked around the room and it's pitch black. And I'm like, what? And I hear it again. And I look at my wife and she's sound asleep still. So I'm like, okay, I heard that clear as day. Why isn't she awake? Somebody's saying that. Why isn't she awake? So I went back, you know, when I finally calmed down, my heart slowed down a little bit. I laid back down and went back to sleep. And then I forgot about it. I I literally forgot. And a week later, I'm basically saying the same thing. Why me? Struggling at work. Nothing seemed to be going right. It seemed like my world was falling apart. And I hear the same thing again. And this time it was more in my head. (laughs) It wasn't, you know, out loud. So I said, okay, what the heck? So I look up Bible Gateway. You know, which, by the way, is a, a great uh, resource. Look at Bible Gateway, type in Romans 3.23, and it said, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I went, I know that. I know that. That's why I'm asking you, you know, why me? And I remember it just like it was yesterday. The, the simple words, keep reading. And so I went into the next verse, and it says, But all are justified freely by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I went, oh. And it was his way of telling me, you have surrendered your life to Christ. He gave his life for you. That's why. You're a sinner. You will always be a sinner. That's why I'm I'm giving you this grace, this mercy, this freedom. And every time I have struggled I remember that. And every time I wonder, which I don't anymore, but every time I did wonder, I just listen. And whether it's I hear a voice or whether it's I see something, whatever, I'm there, you know, and I'm paying attention now. And like you said earlier, be still. Be still and know, you know. And so like with the the secretary of the, of the Atheist Society of Kenya, or whatever it was called. Absolutely. There was spiritual intervention right there. That was a divine intervention that that changed him. You and I have seen it in our, in our own church. Atheists come in and give their life, give up everything to Christ. And they didn't believe there was Christ before. And somewhere there was that seed of doubt that was planted in their head of am I am I am I true? Am I correct? And then just open that door just a little bit for God to slide in and and be there in their life. I take comfort in in this, is that in, in all of, of recorded history, only two nations have ever dedicated their nation to God. Israel being one of them, and the United States being the other. We dedicated our nation to God. And I think that the forefathers meant that 
when when they said it and when they wrote it and when they when they put it into play. And I I look at Israel and I look at the stories of of Israel and how many times they screwed it up and how many times God spanked them and brought them back and they screwed it up again and God would spank them and bring them back. I mean, brings them out of slavery. Now, granted, it wasn't Israel yet. It was still the Hebrews, but brings them out of slavery. And and just a couple of days later, they're, they're, they're back to worshiping, you know. So we're a stupid people, unfortunately, us as humans. <laughs> We have very short memories, but God understands that. God has grace for that. And I, I, I look at how many times he brought Israel back and how many times he saved them supernaturally. And I believe that we as a country can be saved. I, I believe that we can come back, and I believe that we can be better than you know ever before. You know, I, I hate to quote it, but... I think we can make America great again. Um, and yes, I believe that at one time it was great, but it's it's been a long time since it's been there. It's been a long time since we've been that that great nation. So that's what gives me comfort is that, you know, I've seen God do miraculous things to bring a nation back to him. And I think that he can bring our nation back to him if that's in his will. Right, but oh, sorry. In, yeah, I'm gonna shut up here in just a second. But <laughs> because we're stupid people and because we have short memories, I do believe that he's gonna work through the leadership of this company. Because for whatever this, I keep saying company, country. Because for whatever reason, you know, the mass majority of this country has a tendency just to listen to whatever comes out of, like you said, the media, the news, and, and the White House, and whatever else. So that's why I believe that we have a vital role in the political scene. Right. I believe we have a very important role in the political scene. I just am not real sure how we how we get there, how we how we put that out there. So that that's what I was I was actually going to when I tried to interrupt you earlier uh, to bring it back full circle back to your original question. Should Christians be involved in politics or not, whether it be Texas politics or national politics? And we have a lot of, uh, what'd you call them? Kinos? Yeah, I just made that up. Kinos. Okay. Uh, I was going chinos, but you know, for Christian. That works. Okay. Uh, we have a lot of them. Wait a minute. That don't work. Let's stay with kinos. Okay. We'll, yeah, kinos. we'll, we'll okay. verify that one first. Okay. <laughs> how about, how about, how about crinos? Nah, stick with kinos. Yeah, let's just stick okay. with kinos. We have a lot of them in our in our government right now. Um, a lot of them that that uh, I mean, let's look at our president for example. Claims to be Roman Catholic, but yet, and I'm gonna touch, I'm gonna hit a very touchy subject here, but yet he approves of abortion. He he approves of a lot of things. But my point is, is like that is like one of the biggest things, one of the biggest no nos in the Roman Catholic religion, but yet he's okay with it, and he and he goes out and he. Calls himself a Roman Catholic. He calls himself a Christian. He goes to church almost every Sunday. Does he remember you went? <laughs> <Ba -dooms. laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> there it is. Make sure you hit the right button there, Troy. My point is, is that you have people that, that maybe have a little bit of doubt in their head that are wondering that, that maybe you're, or, you know, they become more um, uh, agnostic, more so than atheist. They believe that there's a higher power, but they're not really sure what, what it is, okay? And then they see people like, you know, 
Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, even some even some Republicans. I'm not just going to pick on Democrats. That Mitt Romney. Thank you. Um, that that go out and and again, they they boast about their Christian beliefs and then they do some things that are extremely against the Christian religion and Christian beliefs. And you have, then then you have those agnostic people that go, if that's God, if that, if they're representing God, maybe I don't want that anymore. So what we need, should Christians be involved in politics? Absolutely. But they need to be Christians that are true to their faith. If they're, if our country is, is to turn around without God coming down here and, changing everything if we're to do it through people we need to have people that are true christians well i think we could call those people false prophets you know i think we could easily look back and and, and jesus warns us of these false mm-hmm. prophets and and being a christian having the holy spirit holy spirit having that discernment in us we we know crap when we hear it yeah and so when we see someone saying, "Oh yes, I'm 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 a, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. It's wonderful." Oh yeah, we need to go ahead and extend abortion to uh, two weeks after birth. You know, yeah, because that's coming. Uh, anyway, I don't. That's a t- man. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> gonna get me on a tear. And, and don't do it. We're running out of time. Gonna get me on a tear. We're definitely out of time, but. Um, but I think those are the false prophets that Jesus spoke of and that we as true Christians, as believers, as, you know, indwelt with the Holy Spirit will tell us, Hey, that's not me. Right. And I think you're right. I think we need to start, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago about standing up and I think we as Christians, not only men, but all Christians right, need to stand mm-hmm. up. And, and stop pointing fingers, stop blaming, stop criticizing Joe Biden, stop criticizing the Democrats, stop doing all of that garbage because that's not what Jesus said. That's not what he taught. That's not what he came to earth to do. He came to earth to tell us to love each other. Right. He gave us two things, love God, love, love each other. That's it. In a nutshell, you do that and, and, and this world will be awesome. But we keep pointing fingers and, and people that, that take our name and say, you know, we, the Christians, believe that you are a terrible person and you're going to hell. And that's the worst way in the world, I think, that, that we go out and we spread our faith. Because that's, it's, it's no better than, than what you were just saying about the people who are standing up Christians and, and going for abortions. We're saying Christians, but you're going to hell. Right. And you're terrible. How is that any better? Well, I mean, well... That would be like me walking up to somebody and saying, you're going to hell. Well, save me a seat. Because if they're a sinner, so am I. And you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? So it, it becomes hypocritical for someone who is a, a Christian to blast somebody else for their sin when we are all in the same boat. We, you know, we all have the same captain. I think it's dangerous when people fly the the personal flag of say a political party rather than the the word right you know i was thinking about it earlier there's two sides of the christian coin too there's the left-leaning christians and then there's the right-leaning christians and both supposedly derive their morals from the same book but how many of them have vastly different viewpoints on so many things and last i heard jesus called the church to be unified not 
divided. So I don't, it gets dangerous when it's all this finger pointing and everything else. And to your point, we got to start showing more love and we got to start doing more stuff like that. Yeah. Well, guys, I enjoyed it. I almost got worked up there. Almost. <laughs> I, you know, I'm very proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. This is a milestone. If we didn't have the mics in front of us and we were sitting down in your living room. Oh, it, it, yeah. It'd be on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Justin, thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Roman. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Troy. Appreciate you all having me on. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, get a hold of us if you can at exploringtheway21 at gmail.com. And we now have a new Facebook page. So check us out on Facebook at Act Exploring the Way 21. That's on Facebook at Exploring the Way 21. We will catch you on the next one. Take care. See you guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.